you be uh, praying for us as leadership as we continue to evaluate the, the Thanksgiving uh, service, the, which will be the 29th, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and, and uh, whether he, even that would be uh, wise to have as a, a single service, um, just uh, we'll keep you updated with it. Uh, let's bow our heads and ask the Lord to bless our time in his word. Lord, we do not hesitate to proclaim to you our dependency on you to break through the malaise and the the worldview that we that we cannot help but develop that is marred by sin and and marred by a an attachment to this world that causes us even to look at your word in a way that is skewed, in a way that looks at it and thinks, what, what, what does this say that I want to hear? Or that looks at it and, and, and sees you as, as, uh, as if you're made in our image rather than the other way around. Lord, our sin nature so easily uh, warps the way we view the world around us, as if it's supposed to orbit around us, as if it's supposed to uh, work for us and for for our in our design, and according to what we think would be best and right. And Lord, as we we come to your word, as we as we look to see what you have to say, Father, we need your Holy Spirit to illuminate it for us, to shine on it, to speak to our hearts and our minds. We thank you, Lord God, that your, your word is living and active, sharper than, 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 a, a, than a blade that cuts in both directions and is able to help us to understand even our own motives, our own hearts, our intentions, our thoughts. Lord, I pray that you would minister in a way that that my words never could hear. I pray, Lord God, that you would direct the words that I share. I pray, Father, that you would allow our hearts and our minds to be centered around you, to be to be willing to to lay ourselves out on your altar and your plan for your glory. Lord, I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Imagine um, the, the situation that led to the, the sinking, the ship sinking, and, and the, the total loss that the author of, of the hymn, It Is Well, experienced in the loss of their family members. Imagine the, the, that if that ship had had the opportunity to send out a, a distress signal, if at that time those on board were to say, be saying, we're okay, it is well with our souls. 
That, that's the, the background of the hymn that we sang, It Is Well. The writer losing their children in, in the sinking of a ship as it traveled across the Atlantic. Imagine when they could have been sending out Save Our Souls or SOS Distress. But they're saying, we're good. It is well with our souls. It requires an eternal mindset to think in that way. And not just a, a, a crazy eternal mindset of thinking, well, this is all going to work out. You know, it's, it's, it's just, um, uh, you know, in the next life, I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll benefit in some way from this. Or... But having an eternal mindset that is set in the truth. That's the type of mindset that, that, that was displayed by the church in Thessalonica. That young church that had only been ministered to by the Apostle Paul and his team for three weeks. There amidst Jewish persecution and, and, and Gentile estrangement and paganism. And so we step back into 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Where we read, we give thanks to God always for all of you, speaking to that church in Thessalonica, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before God, before our God and Father, your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so in the following verses, we see the ultimate reason that, that Paul and his team are thankful, where he writes in verse 4, For we know, brothers loved by God, that He has chosen you, because our gospel came to you, not only in word, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. You can read in Acts 17 how, how the gospel came in word, where it describes that Paul went in, as was his custom, into the, the town of Thessalonica. And he went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned, I'm sorry, he went into the synagogues, and there he, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ, their Messiah, to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ, is your Messiah. Proclaiming to the, the men and women in this Jewish synagogue and among those Gentile God-seekers. So the last sentence that he, he states in verse 5 where he says, you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, points to the idea of how, how he and his team were, were in direct contrast to the charlatans that, that were known to travel among these cities during that day, seeking to gain hefty offerings, uh, speaker, speaker fees, if you will. One writer says many traveling preachers and philosophers in that day were only interested in making money from ignorant people. And Paul is saying, we were nothing like that among you. And so verse 6 through 10 speak that beyond the gospel taking root in their hearts, the church in Thessalonica also shared their joy 
And they're, they, they, what the gospel had done with them uh, to the people surrounding them as well, where, where we read in verse 6, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. In other words, we, go, we, 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 we enter into another city and, and we, we hear, oh, you're the, you're the people. This is the gospel that made such a difference in the people over in Thessalonica. And they received it in much affliction. You can read in Acts 17 about how after Paul, after three weeks of the gospel being explained, it said, but the Jews were jealous and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob and set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, which, is, which was one of the, the men that, that had received the gospel and, and, was, and was allowing his home to, to be used to spread it, seeking to bring them out to the crowd, this, this mob did. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down, speaking of Paul and his, and his comrades, have come here also. And Jason has received them. And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And you can read in verse 10 of Acts 17 that says, the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And that young church was left there to grow on their own, but they were not alone. They had Christ with them. They had the Holy Spirit. The next verses continue here in 1 Thessalonians 1. They continue the description of the, their reverberating testimony. It says, for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you. He's like, we're hearing our own story. From people we had that, that we're just meeting. And how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, whom delivers us from the wrath to come. I, I titled this, this uh, message The Impact of Election. It's kind of. Um, Convenient. I, I was going to title it Eternal Election, but I was afraid that, that um, some of you would be thinking I was referencing our, our present situation. Maybe give yourself a little nervous twitching. But we're going to get into something here that for some reason is, is, is pretty controversial within the church, even though it is talked about all over the Scriptures. It's God's election of his children. It's described as, as our greatest spiritual blessing. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6, or, or as a part of our greatest spiritual blessing. 
Ephesians 1, 3 through 6 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And then he starts to list them off, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. And so we look here this morning as the, at the impact of election. It's right off the bat, one of the things that, that the Apostle Paul is thankful for seeing in the, the, the hearts and lives of the Thessalonian believers is he says, along with we, are, we thank our Lord for this, he says, for we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you. I'm talking about the eternal election in which God chooses those who follow him. And just in that idea there, God is eternal. We are bound by time. Just in those two concepts, we should know that there's going to be a lot of aspects to the where and when and how that God does what he does that doesn't fit into our concepts of time being moving in linearly from one point to another. That God is eternal and outside of that. And there are many things in Scripture that, that we have to just accept as being true, as coming to us as, as trying to explain what is outside of our experience. Namely, in this situation, being bound to time, but relating and having our salvation explained to us by our eternal God. You know, in, in our situation in, in, of election in, in, in America, leaders pander for our votes. They explain why we should choose them. It's an idea of you give me what I want. And in many ways, and I think we're going to see this, the idea is you give me what I want and I'll give you what you want. And what I want is to control how and when and if you get what you want. But there's a pandering for votes. But in God's election process, the ruler of the universe chooses his followers. And we don't quite understand how that combines with the fact that, that his followers choose him. God's sovereign saving work is confirmed by the gospel impact that he makes in our lives. It's always been God's way to make an impact by choosing his people and, and, and letting them know and reminding them that this is how it worked it's how Israel became God's privileged people. You can read in Deuteronomy chapter 7, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all of the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all people. In other words, it's not like God looked over the face of the earth and was like, who are a people that I can do something with that are impressive to me? 
He actually chose the people that were not a people. He was just a person, a man named Abraham. And before they were even a people, he decided that they were the his people. Sound really New Testament-ish now, doesn't it? The Bible Knowledge Commentary says this, that God has chosen to bless some individuals with eternal life is clearly taught in many places in both the Old and New Testaments. Equally clear is the fact that God holds each individual personally responsible for his decision to trust or not to trust Jesus Christ. The, gift, the difficulty in putting divine election and human responsibility together is understanding how both can be true. That both are true is taught in the Bible. How both are true, how both can be true is apparently incomprehensible to finite human minds. So I'm not going to try to explain it to you. Because it's not explained to me. I have ears, but I cannot hear a dog whistle. Because I have limitations in the frequencies that I can hear. And the older I get, there's other frequencies that fall into that inability to hear it. I have eyes, but I can't see angels. Because I have limitations to the dimensions in which I can see. I have a mind, but I cannot comprehend God's eternal election. It transcends my human wisdom. But it is, it is uh, we've talked before but, um, of how when I read that Corey Ten Boom was, was talking with her brother one day. Um, this was before her whole experience of, of being... Um, uh, arrested and put into a Nazi concentration camp. But she was talking with, with her brother and, and he, she was saying, I, I just don't understand God's election and, and man's choosing. And, and, he said, and he said, remember the bell ropes at church. That, that, that um, They're in different spots and, and they go up into the ceiling and somewhere there above the ceiling, they connect to the bell. But, but standing in, uh, down on the floor, you can't see where that happens. But they're both there. And they seem separate from one another and opposed. But yet where you can't see, they connect. And that was his explanation. I think it's pretty good. You know, that same Ephesians 1 passage talking about how God, in His love, He predestined us to adoption as sons. It also says in verse 13, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, that that's when you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Both are true. In the same way, the Thessalonians responded with full conviction. I don't think they would have said, oh, it's not us. It's pretty easy. It wasn't. Respond to God's sovereign work and be moved to conviction. 
be moved to conviction. Moved beyond simple agreement with the truths of the gospel. A simple agreement with the truths of the gospel is like putting a test in front of someone and saying, well, do you believe that Jesus was the Son of God? Yeah, okay. You know, do you believe that he, he died and, and rose again paying for our sins. Oh, okay, yeah. Do you believe that, that on confessing that, that, that Christ, that you needed Christ to pay for your sins, that there's no way for you to have a relationship with God on your own, that, that in, in confessing your need and in putting your trust in Christ, that, that God can be your Father. And you can have a relationship with Him. Okay, yep, yeah, okay. So click that. You know, check that. That's simple agreement with the gospel. But the Holy Spirit leads us beyond that to conviction. One writer says, the gospel, pre- the gospel is not a presentation of an idea, but the operation of a power. Paul describes, our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Romans 1.16 says that, that, that the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That upon believing, it is a power that takes place. That, that the, the, the Greek word is dynamis. We get the word dynamite from it. That explodes in their life. God's sovereign work leads to men and women obeying in belief with conviction. As you could read in in Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians in chapter 2 verse 13 where he says, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by by the Spirit and belief in the truth. God's sovereign work leads men and women to obeying in belief. The Bible Knowledge Commentary also says, the message Paul preached, the gospel of the grace of God, had entered into the minds and hearts of these Macedonians, and they had been saved. From their belief, beautiful lives had blossomed. The evidence of the work of God is that He does what only He can do. And through the Holy Spirit's ministry, bringing full conviction. I mean, once somebody is labeled, think about this, once somebody is labeled as a, as a convict, it's kind of a rough mark. It's humbling for them. It's life-changing. They're treated differently. They, they, they might have limitations. They might have, have um, unfortunately, they might have doors closed. This is the way that we should be seeing ourselves. I have been convicted of the truth. I am under conviction of my need for the gospel. I am humbled. It has changed my life. Being a part of God's privileged people comes with a calling to grow and to change. As Colossians 3.12 says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, 
and patience. This is what we should be praying for our nation to experience. The gospel in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. It should discourage us. I'm sorry, it should not discourage us that this is something that God has to do, that has to open their minds to. It should encourage us that he can use even the weakest presentation of the gospel and do something miraculous with it and transform someone with full conviction. Secondly, I want to challenge you to respond to God's sovereign work and be moved to outward expression. He says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction. Notice that, that it led to exceptional joy with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And it led to outward expression. So that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that you, we need not say anything. Like the Thessalonians, all believers can have exceptional joy. No, everyone in that church was an outcast. The Jewish believers were ostracized by their Jewish community and their, and their family, especially after the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. They might have been asked, what do you mean you found the only Messiah? The Gentile believers had to swim against the current of pagan idolatry in their friends and their family. They might have been asked, what do you mean you won't worship our household gods? Don't you know what they could do to us if you don't? The wives of the leading men, uh, Acts tells us, that came to Christ, the wives of the city's leading men still lived with husbands who would have been embarrassed and felt put out by their wives' new faith. What do you mean you're, you're now a citizen of heaven? One writer says, in spite of trials without the Thessalonian believers, they possess joy within. In spite of trials without, the Thessalonian believers possessed joy within, the joy of sins forgiven. Now Martin Luther said, if Christ wore a crown of thorns, why should his followers expect a crown of roses? Along with exceptional joy, we can have exceptional impact. Think of, you know, how kids might share stories of over Christmas, summer break, and you, teacher might have that one kid that's always like upping the ante. And at some point, it's like kids start rolling their eyes. Oh my gosh, this, you know, he's telling a story again here. You know, the, 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 finally one kid. I was hunting a mountain lion, and I got it, it, it cornered, and then it lunged at me and it tore off my arm, but my uncle was able to sew it back on while I bit onto a stick. Like, where is this going? But our story should cause people to wonder. 
Is this person even living in reality? I mean, I was on my way to hell. I was going to be tortured for all of eternity. But the creator of the universe decided to take my place and die for me. And he was too powerful for even death. And he actually ended up defeating death for me. So now I actually live forever. And that will be mean living with God as his adopted child for all of eternity. Oh, and oh, by the way, the king of the universe, he's my father. And he's my friend now. And I get to walk with him and talk with him every day. I mean, think about it. Our story should probably be causing people to sit there wondering, has this person lost it? But that's the truth of the gospel. Maybe our friend would say, really? I'd expect you to have a little bit more joy if this were true. And I think I'd see you talking a little bit more about this one in a million experience that you've had. How would your life look different if you were allowed... If you're allowing God to fuel your joy with the truth, you too can live with exceptional joy. How Does God want you to be walking with him on gospel mission in your daily life? How does he want you to do that? You too can be making an exceptional impact. It's not our words that make the impact. It's his truth. It's the, it's the plain truth of what he's done. I'm not going to be able to get into the challenge to respond to God's sovereign work and to be moved to being gospel-centered. I want to look at that last statement of verse 10. Just jumping ahead to our last slide there. It's an amazing thing that Jesus has delivered us from the wrath to come. Jesus has delivered us from the wrath that is to come. One writer says the wrath of God will be poured out on unrighteous people because of their failure to trust in Christ. John 3.36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Jesus absorbed in in the sacrifice. It, It wasn't just the physical torture that went into his crucifixion, as awful as that was. But, but, but even more so was that he absorbed the wrath of God for you. He absorbed the wrath of God for the sins of mankind. And he experienced the full force of it. And even worse than that, 
is for that excruciating eternal moment. He experienced the separation from God the Father that we deserve for all of eternity. And he did that so that we might live. That in his death, he conquered death. He conquered sin. He conquered the consequence of sin. And in his resurrection, he made life available to all those who would receive him. But there is a wrath that is still coming. And it is a wrath that begins with how on earth could you not receive what was done for you by my son? Was it for nothing? That wrath still remains on them. You know, I, I believe that this is, is partly describing as, as will play out in in. Paul's letter to the Thessalonians that this is describing the fact that that we as as God's people will be raptured from the earth before God pours his wrath out on it. But how selfish would it be of us to say, oh, good. Got that question answered. Now I can sit back on my laurels and not care at all about my friends and my family who will go through that if they don't know Christ. That would be extremely selfish. That would be ignoring the call of the gospel. I pray we don't have that attitude. Friends, we celebrate the sacrifice of our Savior here this morning. And, and, and at the same time, even grievingly so. That such an amazing gift could be so easily disregarded and ignored. But celebrate it also in the truth that you love God if you know Christ as your Savior, you love God because he first loved you. That it was when you were yet a sinner, bound for hell, that Christ died for you. That it was even, I'm going to blow your mind with this as Scripture does, it was before the foundation of the world that God chose you to be his child. Where we're supposed to be left with all of that is praising him and thanking him. Because even with his greatest sacrifice, his greatest work on the cross, had he not worked in your life, you would have let it pass you by. You would have ignored it. You would have remained dead and unresponsive. Ask Dan to come up and lead us in some, some songs. And when, when you're ready, you can go to one of the three tables and remember the sacrifice of Christ in, in, the, in the 
breaking of his body and the spilling out of his blood in taking communion. Let's bow our heads together. Lord, thank you for being the full package for us because that's what we needed. That's what we must have. Because without you, we are dead, dead, dead. We are dead meat under your wrath on our way to hell. But you made every provision necessary at the greatest expense of the sacrifice of your son. And in his resurrection, to take care of sin and to take care of death. And Lord, even beyond that, we needed you to wake us up to that truth. And somehow an eternity past that's based on your choosing us. So we can't even look in the mirror and say, yeah, it's, it was something in me. But we're left to just be praising you. And Lord, may your gospel result in your glory. Both in our hearts here this morning and in our words with others throughout the week. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.